This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Beyond the To-Do List. I'm your host, Eric Fisher, and this is the show where I talk to the people behind the productivity. This week, I'm excited to share with you a conversation I had with my friend, John Meese. He is the Dean of Platform University, an online community started by Michael Hyatt back in 2013. He's been doing that position now for about two years, a little over, a little under, somewhere in that realm. And in this conversation, we're going to talk about the usage of social media or lack thereof for building a brand. And that right there is the hook for most of you, where he is literally not using social media to build his own personal platform. We'll talk about the story behind the why of that and the intentionality that he and his wife have taken towards their home and work life balance and success that they've seen from that decision-making process and the productivity benefits that it reaps him. I had a great time talking with John about all these topics because they are always top of mind for me working from home, using social media for my day job and building my own platform, this show. So enjoy this conversation with John Meese. This week, it's my privilege to welcome to the show John Meese, my friend, I don't know why I never thought to have you on, but welcome. Well, thank you, Eric. I'm so glad to be here. So that just sounds like, well, why would I ever have John Meese on the show? That doesn't make any <laughs> sense. No, I totally just, it, it, it didn't occur to me to tie in the things that we're going to talk about into a mm. tapestry of conversation until a couple of things kind of popped up. So let, let's set the stage first and kind of give context first. So I've known you for at least three well, more than that, but, you know, known you more frequently and seen you more frequently for at least the last three years plus. Uh, yes. Constantly visiting Nashville to see friends, which I now count you as part of. But uh, you. Thank you. What is your proper title? Dean of Platform University? Is that right? Yes. Uh, yeah, I'm the Dean of Platform University on Michael's team. And we've actually, I was going to say, I think Twitter friends counts, Eric. We've been Twitter friends for like probably closer to a decade. But like we, more than but we aren't that anymore. And we'll deal with, That's we'll true. talk about that later. That's true. And, and especially the fact that I didn't notice we weren't. So that was, I, I felt bad about that, which I shouldn't have. But anyway, uh, okay. but, but we'll, all we'll that to that. say, uh, platform university is obviously a part of, but different, uh, different distinction of Michael Hyatt and company. Mm-hmm. You are all about winning at work and six, to win at work and succeed at life. Yes, but you are the platform building. You know Michael's uh, book, platform, obviously then spawned into Platform University. That's been around for oh my gosh, at least a decade now or so, right? Well, near no, near that, not, no, not quite, seven eight years more like it. Actually. Yeah. So, so it was the year 2012 when Michael came out with there the platform, go. get noticed the noisy world became a number one New York times bestseller. And it was really during the rise of new things like the facebook.com. And you know, you remember that, like when it used yeah. to have the, in the name and it was during the rise of all these like social media things. And that 
book spawned this whole movement of people saying, well, how do I build a platform online? And that led to creating the, the community and the membership site, Platform University, which originally I was a student of. And then I kind of, I built my own blog and my own podcast and my own courses. And I, I kind of, it was just a good student, which is what I've been most of my life, I suppose, a good student. And uh, along the way, Michael asked me out for lunch one day and I was like, sure, this is great. Let's do this. And he said, yeah, so we want you to come run Platform University. We watched what you've been doing. Apparently, Michael was one of my podcast subscribers, did not know that. And they asked me to come onto the team and actually run Platform University as its own thing. And that actually freed Michael up to be able to focus more on things like free to focus and best year ever and the focus leader and business accelerator and this whole new direction the company was going without abandoning this whole audience that was all saying, how do I build an online business? How do I build an online platform? But that was kind of, uh, it was kind of an outlier to the rest of the business. And so I've been running that as its own thing for a little over two years now. A sort of a business within the business. Yeah. So you were representing this. This is what sparked this idea for a conversation in in yeah. me. I saw you sitting on stage with Jeff Goins about a month ago, and you yes. were representing Platform University, and he was talking to you about social media. And mm-hmm. at that point in time, I don't know that we got into or he got into with you. The fact that you don't, you personally do not have any social media, which struck me as, no, he did. Because I remember from the back of the room, suddenly I thought, oh, I have jealousy of that. <laughs> I kind of wish I didn't have social at all, which is strange to me. But uh, it, it sparked that kind of almost desire of, man, what's that like? Oh, man, that must be really like freeing. And you must be f- super focused and all this other you know, pro- possibly uh, false ideas in my head. But I want to talk about the idea, that idea first off. Uh, well, one, I want to get into why you've decided to go that route for you mm-hmm. yourself personally. And of course, some of the questions that spring up when it comes to you're the dean of Platform University, building a platform on blogs, podcasts, whatever, but also using social media to help with that. That's basically what Jeff's kind of question was. But then going from there. So First off, let's get into this this story you and I talked about at the back of the room later the next day. What was the decision-making process for you and your wife, mm-hmm. for that matter, kind of in a way, to decide you weren't going to be on social media anymore? Yeah, well, ironically, it actually stems from my role with Platform University. I mean, we have um, a massive audience, and there's no other way to put it, but we, we have several thousand actually like paying subscribers who are all students who are actually building their platform. And at this point, over the last six years, we've served more than 25,000 students. So that's like a lot of case studies. I mean, some more successful than others for sure. But whenever I got to know kind of our most successful students and look at their success stories of like what actually worked, then there was always a lot more going on than whatever you saw on the surface with their social media presence. And that really led me to discover what I shared on stage at Tribe Conference was that um, the reason why so many people spend so much time on social media from a marketing perspective, not from like personal, like family and mm-hmm. friends use, but from a marketing perspective, people say, well, you need it because that's how you grow. But really, social media is actually one of the least effective marketing strategies today. It's just the most visible. In other words, when you're looking at your competitors or other people who are being successful online, what you don't see is how many people land on their website from a Google search. What you don't see are people who land on their website because somebody else linked to them somewhere else online. You don't see anyone having a video call or a phone call about their business. And you don't see people meeting in person. You don't see 
the bulk of most people's business, all you can see are the likes and shares on social media. And so a lot of people make the mistake of assuming, well, okay, they're really successful and I can see that they're engaged on social media. So I must do social media. That must be what I got to do to be successful. But actually the research shows that an email, this actually comes out of a study that ConvertKit and Gumroad did together because they have access to mass amounts of data on digital product sales and emails. And they did a study together and found out that one email subscriber was 15 times more likely to make a purchase than one social media follower. In other words, a hundred email subscribers is way more valuable than a thousand social media followers. And when I said that, I was just like, just blew my mind because I was like, well, social media is a lot of work, Mm -hmm. but like, it's not actually driving results. And so that kind of led me on this path. And then when Cal Newport came out with digital minimalism, that really challenged my assumptions even further. And I thought, well, even from a personal perspective, why do I, like, why do I use social media? Like when I look at the list of things I want to spend more time on, like I want to write more, I want to spend more quality time with family and friends. You know, I want to, I want to sleep more. Like I want that too, because I have little kids. And so <laughs> when I, when I go through that whole list and I'm like, you don't really need social media for any of this. And so I started by actually, um, just saying it's an experiment. And this is something I got from Michael Hyatt, where he said, and whenever you think you might face some pushback, just start by saying, well, let's do an experiment where for the next 30 days, insert thing here. And so I just said, I'm just going to reset the path. This is advice from Cal in, uh, in the digital, I'm sorry, digital minimalism, where I reset the passwords and all my social media accounts to like random things that I didn't know. So Sure, I could have gone back and then like reset my password, send that to an email address and do this whole thing, but I didn't. And three months went by where I didn't miss social media. Mm. And then I deleted all of my accounts. So now if you search me, John Meese, you'll find my website, johnmeese.com, but you're not going to find a Facebook profile, a Twitter profile or a LinkedIn profile um, or any of the other things because I've just walked away from it. And it's been wonderful. So here's where I have to insert my apology that I did not notice that you had disappeared from Twitter, which was where we were connected. And, you know, suddenly it was like, wait, I haven't seen John in a while. And then I felt guilty. But really, it's your fault. How's that for an (laughs) apology? No, I'm kidding. Uh, But but there's more to this than that. Like, Mm. I I think for you, it's not just, you know, this show's all about productivity. It's not just about productivity, though. And the decision for you wasn't just about productivity either. Tell me the story about how announcing that you were having a child uh, and and, and your dad, like, because until you told me that story, like there wasn't as deep of a tug in a a personal life, kind of a, you know, revelation for me until you told me that I was like, Oh my gosh, I never thought about that aspect of social media. Well, yeah, no, I'd be happy to tell that. So the first thing, I mean, the first really rationale I've shared so far really comes from the fact that I'm the dean of Platform University. And so people who do digital marketing are like, wait a second, what are you doing? They need to know the marketing rationale. But there's the other side of social media that even if you don't use social media for marketing, right, it's you, you quote, have to use social media to keep up with people and to update them on your life. And so that's kind of like the other side of the coin. I guess it was actually close to five years ago, but several years ago. So my oldest son is four now. Um, but before he was born, when my wife and I were pregnant, it was our first. And so we were a little nervous. And so we just weren't sure. And we were like not telling people for a while. And my family was super excited. I'm also the oldest uh, in my family. And, and I was the first to get married. And so like, this is my family's like first grandkid. So they're super excited. And we got to the point where we're like, okay, we're ready to tell everyone. So we did what you do, right? We had a massive, like really exciting pop, like, like 
announcement campaign on Facebook. I don't remember exactly what we did, but it was clever and it was cute. And we announced the baby um, was coming. And then we told my parents, okay, you can tell your friends now. All is good. So my dad, who at this point is 60, he's been going to the same church for 25 years. And like, those are his main, like, that's the friends that he like talks to. I mean, you know, for 25 years on a regular basis. And so that Sunday, he goes up to a couple of his friends, like one by one. He, he says, hey, guess what? I just found out I'm going to be a grandfather. And so he's like, you know, like he is so excited, right? He is so thrilled. He's just like, I'm going to be a grandfather. This is huge. And the response is, yeah, I like that photo. And he's like, okay. But like, you know, he's not on social media, so he doesn't really get it. So then he walks to another friend and he's like, hey, did you hear? I'm going to be a grandfather. My oldest son is about to have a baby. And he was like, yeah, 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 I saw that. That's pretty cool. But like the wind was gone from my dad's excitement. Like the, like, and he told this to me later, not from like a making me feel guilty perspective, but just sharing his experience. And I realized that that was on me, that I stole that opportunity from him to really celebrate something that was really special to him. And we ran into the same thing with other friends once he kind of made me aware of it, where all of a sudden it was like everybody in the world knew we were pregnant. So it wasn't like a special thing, even when we had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the first time we got rid of Facebook. We kept the other things like Twitter and Instagram, but that's when my wife and I got off Facebook because after that happened, we were like, mm, I don't feel good about that. Like that just, I'll tell you what's funny right now is my wife is pregnant currently, right? She's five weeks away from her due date. And I'll tell, I'll run into a friend, like when I ran into you, Eric, like I'll run into friends at conferences or wherever. And, and I'll be like, they're like, how's it going? And I'm like, oh, it's great. Actually, we're about to have our third child. And their response is telling because their response is, oh, wow. Like, did I, did I know that? Was I supposed to know that? And, and I just, I'm like, no, I, we didn't <laughs> post it anywhere. So I'm just telling you, like, I mean, it's, and it's actually throwing people off because they're so used to like knowing everything all the time that when you tell something really, someone, someone really, something special, we want to share the experience with them. They're like, not sure. They're like, should I feel guilty? Like, did I already see that photo about this? Or can I, can I be excited as if this is the first time I've heard it? It's just, it's just like a cultural thing that is happening before our eyes unintentionally. Yeah. It really speaks to the way that we've, that social media has become a status quo, just kind of Mm -hmm. assumption that one, you use it for life and you Mm -hmm. use it for business. Mm -hmm. And what you're saying to me is, we should really question both those uses. And, yes. and in your case, you've gone – I don't think you've gone baby with the bathwater. I think you've got real good reasons. Again, obviously, I'm, I'm somewhat jealous of your <laughs> ability to do this. But that said, then I wonder, though, you probably get some questions from Platform mm-hmm. University students or people that are around it that know this about you. Yeah. Uh, the question of the why and in and what you would guide them to do towards social media use for their business moving forward. Of course, this question comes up a lot. I mean, I know because I'm the dean of platform university that kind of like whatever I do, whether or not it's a good idea, people are going to say, "Oh, that's probably what I should be doing." And so there's kind of a little bit of pressure around that, but um, it's a good thing because it actually forced me to get really clear in my rationale before I made this decision. And then to actually go on to one of our office hours, we do these like live video Q and A's with our students or our office hours and just explain like, here's what I'm doing and here's why, and here's what this means for you. And I stand by this and I'll just echo this here. What I've said before that I'm not saying that you, from a marketing perspective, I'm not saying you need to ignore social media completely hundred percent. I'm saying you should be very strategic about where you spend your limited time and resources on growing your business. Now, if part of your strategy is social media. Great. But then what's the strategy? 
which social media platform are you going to focus your energy on? What's the purpose of it? Like, are you getting people on your email list? Are you getting people to come to your coffee shop? Like, what is the actual purpose of it? Don't do social media just because of social media, like actually have a reason. So we teach our students to have one primary social embassy and to really treat it like an embassy or an outpost where you're saying like, this is a way to go meet new people and to kind of get people to get a taste of what you offer, but to bring them back to your home base, to your website and to your email list to actually really take the relationship further. And what we don't recommend is that you have, especially when you're like doing this on the side, that you don't, we don't want you to have like two, three or five social media accounts. You we want you to have like one social media embassy, whether that's fate, uh, an account on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram or, or elsewhere where you're really focusing on doing it really well and you're getting results, but you need to know what are you after? Don't just do social media just cause. And so I'm just kind of like basically saying, forget the status quo, forget the status quo. You set your own status. Like, what do you want to do? And social media is an option. And for some people, it works really well. But I mean, my wife for a while, she uh, was trying to make a little extra money. And we had a friend who ran a digital marketing agency. And so my wife like offered to do a little work for her on the side. And so it was great. So my wife was like, oh, this is great. I get to like design social media posts for these businesses that are paying an agency for social media posts. And I mean, they were the most crazy businesses to be on social media. I mean, one of them was a payment, what is it? It was a, uh, a failed payment services attorney. In other words, like if you send an invoice to someone and they didn't pay it and you have to take that to court, this guy was like, yeah, but I need to be on social media. Right. Oh, geez. And so she was trying to come <laughs> up with like clever ways to talk about that. Like some clients not paying their bill, you know, like it's just, it was like, wow. no, this isn't, yeah. You know, you, and another one was a, there was a urology expert and well, I've got some giggles coming up with some of those memes that she posted for, for that doctor. But like those businesses should not be in social media. Like they're, that's not how they're getting customers. They were just doing it just because they felt like they had to. Yeah. Oh gosh. One of the other aspects here though, that, that plays into this, that we're not really talking about, but fits perfectly in to bringing productivity into the mix of this question, yes. this, this problem, this math problem that, that we're trying to solve here is uphill work and downhill work as it Mm -hmm. enters into social media as quote work. Yes. So this is a concept um, that actually came out of Michael Hyatt's book, free to focus. It's actually, it's funny when we, when we make, we meaning like the Michael Hyatt team, I mean the Michael's books, but like when they're coming, the books are coming together. There's like, that's really when the concepts that we kind of talk about and teach on a regular basis really become refined and honed and built out. And so sometimes there's new things that get added in the book that are like we, that for whatever reason we haven't talked about internally. And so when the book came out, the one concept that stuck out that internally in the team, we were all like on the Michael Hyatt team, we we're all like, wait a second, we don't talk enough about this was this idea of uphill versus downhill work. And as soon as I explained it, you know exactly what it is. I mean, there are tasks where that are really important that take a lot of energy where you essentially, it's like, I mean, it's literally like you're riding a bike uphill where you're going, man, I need to map out my three-year strategy for my business, or I need to create an online course, or I need to dig into some customer research and to find out the trends of who's buying what, or I need to write my own book. I mean, whatever, like those are uphill tasks that are hugely difficult and hugely important. And so it's really easy as you get into uphill tasks to kind of look, well, okay, so I've started going uphill, but like, why don't I just go check social media for a minute? Like, why don't I just check my Facebook feed? 
And that's an example of downhill work. It's really easy to do. You feel a sense of accomplishment because you're like, you're like social media is work. I read that somewhere that helps my business. And so, you know, you, you feel like a sense of accomplishment, but you're actually chasing the easy tasks and really avoiding the really difficult work. And so what I've tried to do intentionally in designing my environment is remove as many opportunities for downhill tasks as possible. And that actually means that I'm stuck having to do uphill work. I mean, it's sort of like I'm designing it. So like my only job is to do the work that matters. I mean, I mean, I went so far as we got rid of internet at home. Oh, really, I, we're going to talk yeah. about that. Trust me. The, <laughs> okay. the, you, I yeah. did not tell you this, but we will definitely be talking about that. Good, good. Um, but it's, it's the same rationale. Yeah. Well, and, and then obviously in relation to uphill work and downhill work and social media and the free to focus planner where you've got your big three for the day, those are typically more often than not, your big three are going to be, mm-hmm. and this isn't necessarily so, but more often than not, than not, they will be a part of, or most likely related to uphill work. It's yes. important. It's going to take longer. It's going to take more effort. It's you leaning into your strengths. Whereas anybody can easily go do downhill work work Mm -hmm. in air quotes of social media. And that's not, again, I'm not downplaying that there are skilled crafted social media managers who I guess I'm counting myself as part of. Um, (laughs) This (laughs) um, is tricky for you. (laughs) I know, right? It's like, wait, hold up. I'm part of that. Uh, That some of their, you know, some, maybe not their whole big three, but some of their big three is, is that, and yes. uh, as well. And so they own that and that's good for them. But again, uh, for the average person out there, it's not necessarily it's going to be under other tasks and it's mm-hmm. going to be easy to dip down in there and get all those done even, but not get the top three. And at the end of the day, they're like, I didn't what I didn't get what I get. I didn't get stuff yes. done. Like, well, and so and if I, if I can just speak to that real quickly. I mean, what you just described has happened to me many times where when I first started using the full focus planner. Um, then I would like write in there, okay, here's my big three for the day, right? It asks, it makes you every day say like, what are the most important tasks for you to do today? So I'd write those in and then it says, okay, what are your other tasks? And it's actually, it's a smaller field. There's smaller boxes. So I put that list. When I first started using the planner, at the end of the day, I would look over and realize I had checked off like 12 other tasks, but only one of my big three. And I was like, Dang it. I mean, it was just, it just made it real. Like it made it real. The fact that I had been, I'd like the time was gone. I mean, the big three were not done. The other tasks were, but that those kind of, because there was, a lot of those were downhill work. There were little things where I was like, you know what? I'll just, I'll just check my email. You know, I'm just going to email Luria and just say, Hey, you know, they're just like this list of things that they may or may not matter. I mean, the reality is everything on our tree list matters to some extent, but are they the tasks of greatest importance? I mean, that's really the big question. Still searching for a great candidate for your company? Don't search, just match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch that busy work. Instead, use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. I wish I had Indeed when I was in the hiring process in roles in the past because it is a slow, arduous headache of a process to find the right people or at least it used to be, join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to find and hire great talent 
fast. In fact, in the minute I've been talking to you, 23 hires were made on Indeed according to Indeed data worldwide. And listeners of the show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash to-do list. Just go to Indeed.com slash to-do list right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash to-do list. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's something that works so well, it basically feels like magic. For me, I'm thinking air conditioning, noise-canceling headphones, definitely. Meeting-free Fridays. What about selling with Shopify? (coughs) Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch-your-own-shop stage to the first real store stage, you don't have to just sell your own stuff anymore. With Shopify Collective, you can curate products to sell from brands you love and give your customers more variety in your business more sales. Shopify is your no excuses business partner. Sell without needing to code or design. Just bring your best ideas and Shopify will help you open up shop. Shopify also helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms and sell more with less effort. Thanks to Shopify magic, your AI powered all-star sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash beyond. Again, go to shopify.com slash beyond now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash beyond this episode is brought to you by shopify forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to shopify the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell with shopify you'll harness the same intuitive features trusted apps and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. I want to definitely get into this this internet thing, because again, <laughs> this kind of blew my mind, and I'm like, okay, well, yeah, I guess, I guess uh, you know, you're, you're not working from home. Or, well, here's uh, by the thing. Choice. You don't have to, well, you don't have to have internet at home to get work done. It's not a no, necessity. Nobody does. You can still, and there's a lot of nuance here. Like I'm not even going to go into this just yet, but again, this is where story time comes in with John Meese. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> uh, tell, tell me, walk me through the steps of you now literally, and you and your wife decided this together. So kudos mm-hmm. to you. That's great. Um, that you would not have internet in your home. I am so curious as to why and then how you have made this work. I wrote about this extensively in my blog. So, you know, yeah, even plug. just like a day or so ago. <laughs> yes. So shameless plug, johnmeese.com slash internet. If you want to learn more, but, um, but this, this came back to this whole idea of like, what else could I cut? I mean, where else am I wasting time with downhill work? Cause again, like when you like my wife and I, once a quarter, we do like an offsite retreat where we, we intentionally, like we get a sitter for the kids, we get away for the weekend and we, we do things like revisit our, we do very Michael Hyde and company things like revisit our life plan and like look at our quarterly goals and our annual goals. We also just talk about like, what's the life we want to live and what's keeping us from achieving it. And this was our quarterly retreat back in, um, it was probably March, but it was, you know, early this year in 2019, where we were talking about all the things we weren't doing that we really wanted to do. I was like, man, I really wish I was writing more. And honestly, I love reading books. I wish I was reading more. I don't know wh- why I'm not, honestly, but of course we have little kids, but that's a kind of a cop-out answer because like, you know, little, it's like, Oh, I have little kids, but it's like, yeah, but is that really where all my time was going? (laughs) 
So as we talked through that, we realized that we wasted a lot of time on just being unintentional with our media use. And so we decided to try cutting internet out. And we, again, an experiment. We're like, you know, we can always turn it back on, but let's just not use internet for 30 days. And during that time, we found out, get this, near us, there's this place that gives out free entertainment called the library. And we went there and found out they had an entire DVD collection. And we were like, what? This is amazing. And we asked them, we're like, okay, well, like, what's like, do you guys have like new stuff? Like what kind of DVDs you got? They're like, well, one of the most popular things that you can borrow here is Game of Thrones. And so we literally watched, I mean, like we still watch media. Like we just like, we went to the, we were like, okay, well, let's just get some DVDs. But here's the thing about binging with DVDs. You get to the end of a disc and you're like, oh man, that was so good. All right. Well, I guess let's go to bed and we'll go back to the library tomorrow. Instead of like, you know, that little loop that happens where it says like, you know, next show starting in 30 seconds or five seconds. Yes. Uh, and so we just became more intentional with our time. And we realized that we discovered time for reading, for reconnection, for, uh, for writing. And so that's the reason why I like really relaunched my own blog with Gusto this year was because I recovered that time. It's not because I suddenly found an extra hour in the day or that I didn't have two kids. In fact, no, we're having a third that are like, you know, like, <laughs> um, it's just that we'd like, we like re- we I realized where my time was actually going was to things that I didn't prior- care about, but somehow they were still eating up my time. So I, I gotta ask one your work scenario. Then you're you're yes. not you're not working in your home. You're obviously not talking to me right now in your home because That's this true. call requires internet. But I also that also then goes into what other people would be like. Well, okay, but you don't have home internet, but you have a smartphone, so you could like tether and stuff and get away with it, right? Okay, well, let's talk about the phone thing first. Yes. Um, yes, I do have a smartphone and I can, quote, tether and get away with it. The extra barrier does make it more difficult to do so. Um, but now you're now you're pulling this out of me, Eric. Like, I'm not even ready to do this for sure, but my light phone's on the way. I mean, are you familiar <laughs> with the light phone? Yes, I am. Yeah, so my light phone's on the way. I'm about to not have a smartphone. So I'm going, I'm going further. I mean, I'm going with this really just saying, like, what matters and what can I remove that doesn't matter? And a lot of that right now is like, you know, endless scrolling on, you know, and for me now it's no, there's no longer social media, but I still have that impulse to scroll the internet and the headlines. And, you know, it's just, just like everybody else. So I want to get even further away from that, but this is actually a decision I made years ago. Um, cause I was working from home full-time running my own business when my wife and I first got married and that worked great when she was a teacher. Um, because it was basically like we had our little morning routine and then she went off to work and then I went into my office in the home and I worked there all day and then I finished. She came home and we had time together. And then when we, as soon as we had our first son, so a little over four years ago, I realized that just all the barriers were blurred. My wife was no longer working outside of the home. And so, you know, she's dealing with a a first time mom with a newborn baby and I'm trying to like grow a business. And she's like opening the door being like, Hey, can you hold the baby real quick? Can you like change this diaper? And I'm like, well, no, I'm like launching a course. It's going to make millions, you know, like <laughs> so not, I mean, of course this is aspirational, but I'm like no, this, millions I'm of gonna, pennies. I'm going to make mi- yeah, millions of, of pennies. Um, but still like, you know, I'm in the process of like, well, no, I've got to, I've got to write this blog post. I can't change a diaper right now, but it started creating this tension where I was there, but I was not there where I realized like I was like physically present but asking my wife to pretend like I wasn't there and like not participating in family life. And I talked to some other friends that worked from home and I realized like that that's a real, I mean, some people had hacks, like they have like a sign on their door. That's like green. If you can come bother dad, yellow, if it's like, you know, there's a whole systems. And I realized that I just didn't want to do that. And so I, um, I got an office outside of the house 
um, just actually just down the road from my house where I could go work. And then I just stopped working from home. So I haven't worked from home, even though technically I could for the last close to five years now. Um, I, there's been periods of time where I haven't had an office and I just worked at coffee shops and co-working spaces. Uh, but like right now I'm in an office in downtown Columbia on the square above my favorite coffee shop, Mealtown, where like, you know, I could go down there and just chat with friends and kind of work around people, or I can come up here to this small room. That's honestly probably a lot cheaper than you'd think where I've got an ethernet cord attached to fast internet so that I can do things like jump on a podcast interview with my friend, Eric. So, you know, my house is literally a a court as the Fitbit flies, it's 1200 steps from here. So, wow. Like, yeah, that's good. That's cool. I like that because uh, for a while there now I do work from home. I, I, you know, it, it is easier for me. Um, I I'm have, not shaming you for that, Eric. No, no, no. Okay. And, and so that's and that is. I thank you for that, and I and I'm glad to hear that from you. And you know, there's a number of our listeners that are in that exact same boat. Uh, yet I have done co-working space before. Mm-hmm. Uh, it moved, and then it moved to a place where it it. I was like, yeah, this isn't an upgrade. This is kind of a downgrade. And I'm oh and no. So anyway, I, I just kind of I liked having my space. I've I've learned to make it work. But I am very tempted to – in fact, some of my friends and I have discussed like, what if we all just like – we have a friend who rents houses. He he buys them, mm. fixes them up, and rents them. What if we all just chipped in on rent on one place and then we so each picked a bedroom and made it our own like office? So. That's what Donald Miller does with his team. I don't know if you know that, but Donald Miller bought the house next to his house. And he turned it into his company headquarters. And so it's just like, it's like the house is kind of like their private co-working space, but it's also next door. So he kind of just like walk over there and work or walk home. But even that psychological flip of, mm-hmm. and you're doing this because even, even if, again, even if it's only 1200 steps or you said 1200, right? Yeah. Uh, even the 1200 steps is enough steps that you are having a commute, that you are changing yep. your, uh, your disposition. You are now mm-hmm entering work or leaving work you are compartmentalizing in the best way to use that word possible most people are like oh it's all compartmentalized no compartments are good they keep things Mm -hmm. in their right place yes well yeah i want my kids to know i want my kids to know that when i'm with them i'm fully present and that i can like get down at their level and look them in the eyes and not be worrying about getting back to that email or you know like answering that phone call or just or like my the clock's ticking until i need to walk in the next room and take a video call like I want my kids and my wife to know that when I'm with them, I'm fully present. I'm with them away. When I'm away, that means that I'm, I'm fully not present, but I mean, they also know like they can text or call me. My wife actually just texted me. She doesn't know the purpose of the interview on right now. And she literally just texted me and said, just deleted my Facebook and Twitter account. I don't use them. I don't need them. <laughs> need them. Um, so you heard it here I, first, literally, yeah. <laughs> literally completing some of the circle here that we were talking yes. about. In- she did say, she also said goodbye, Snapchat, but I'm keeping Instagram currently uninstalled on my phone, but she's going to keep it. So yeah, I mean, anyway, it's like, great. yeah, that, that, that's irony right there. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it is. It is. I mean, I think she saw that I had a, interview with eric fisher on the on the calendar but i don't think she knows why we're talking so that's like hilarious yeah no that's and she there's no way i mean you didn't even know fully what we'd all be talking about that's true to a certain extent so how could she that's true but uh I, i'm curious though like now that we've got the full picture here of mm-hmm. you know the context of stopping using social media personally professionally mm-hmm. as well as uh creating these these boundaries and focus points uh and and compartments of home mm-hmm. and work for a healthier life you probably have conversations with people about this all the time where totally. they're one shocked at first, but yes. then two, they're like, Oh, that sounds interesting. Okay. Tell me how you do this. 
I can't speak to the fact that everybody's as interested in knowing about how to do this or the mm-hmm. why. To, they're, they're more interested in the why. Yeah. But some are going to get to the point of wanting to know the how, like I am. Totally. And so and, – and that's where my audience is as well. And so I want to ask, like when they ask these how questions, obviously, as you've learned from Michael and done yourself, it's the experiment – that you mm-hmm. start with first to see what fits, what feels good, what you can do without. Yes. Well, the first thing I would say is, I mean, I don't think that the things I do are necessarily like carte blanche solutions for everybody, but I do think the approach I take would be good for everybody. And that's to have an outcome focused approach. In other words, I focus first on like, what's the outcome you want? Like, what do you, what do you want out of life? What do you want to accomplish? And I start there. So I'm very kind of like, uh, I start, I suppose you could say I start with the end in mind. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, you know, really focus first on like, what do you want to achieve? And then what's stopping you from achieving that now? And then just remove those barriers, you know? And so for me, when I wrote down like, oh, actually, here's another hack. I learned this from Michael at one of our at business accelerator, a coaching intensive. Cause also like our leadership team goes through our own coaching program as clients, which is a really cool experience. But uh, there, Michael shared a hack that whenever you're facing a limiting belief, uh, in other words, like I don't have time to write on a regular basis. That was the limiting belief mm-hmm. I wrote down. I don't have time to write on a regular basis. Then he says, now just put the word unless and fill in the blank. Oh, good flip. Yes. And I was like, oh man, I don't have time to write on a regular basis unless I had a protected distra- distraction-free environment where I could write and actually have the writing like ready to go for me in the mornings before my kids wake up. You know, like I, that's kind of like what I came to. And I was like, well, what's stopping me from doing that now? Well, I stay up too late watching Netflix, <laughs> you know, like, the, you know, I just sort of like work backwards from there. So like I got rid of things like internet uh, and, you know, working from home and stuff like that, like because of I'm focused on the outcomes. That's the first thing I would say is just focus on the outcome you want. Like, what do you want more of? Well, and, what's and, you? and what I would say there is, is that that word unless takes you to the next thing where it's this. Mm-hmm. OK, now I see what that is that would free that up. But obviously, like you said, it's now a matter of, okay, how to add another unless exactly almost yeah. in a way to, to dismantle, okay, why, or not the why, how do I make that happen exactly. and, and create the, the rituals, the routines, the whatever that I assume you've put in place to be able to create that writing space in this example. Yes. Well, yes. And I'll say like that, that, that kind of like the second and last, like I like the way you put it there. I'm just basically saying like, okay, well, that's not possible unless what unless what um that's where i just get really fascinated with the whole idea of environment design so there's some crazy studies have been done on this and i don't i couldn't actually offhand quote exactly like where the study's from although i do link to it in that article on my blog johnmeese.com slash internet but uh the whole idea that nutritional experts who literally like study what you should and shouldn't eat on a regular basis if you put them in a room and you give some of them a larger spoon they will eat 30% more than the people who have a smaller spoon. Like, like the experts, like how are we supposed to have like quote the self-will and the discipline to like actually like do things better when the experts are, they don't realize how susceptible they are to their environment. And so those, that kind of like those kind of things like blow my mind and that caused me to go, okay, well, what in my environment is really to blame? And so I do use tools like rescue time, for example, to actually track like, where's my time actually going? You know, just like where, where, what am I doing with my life essentially? Um, and that helps me track down things. Like, for example, I didn't realize that when I'm connected to the internet, that last month 
49% of my time went to communication tools like Slack and Gmail and Google Calendar. And that caused me to go, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, it's not like I'm spending hours in a block on Slack. It's like I check it here and there. Like it's become my downhill work. And so now I do things like sign out of it at the beginning of the day or at the beginning of the day after I do my little check-in and sign back in at the end of the day. So I can't do all these little check-ins in between, you know, like just things like that. The tactics are really beside the point because that's going to vary depending on everyone's situation. Yes. But the whole point, the whole thing is like, identify what do you want? Use the word unless to identify what's keeping you from achieving that. And then look at your environment to see what can you change to make it easy to win. That's what I'm really passionate about is like the whole tagline on my blog is systemize your success. That's really what it comes from this whole idea that like, I want to create a system so that winning is easy. Like that's, that's what I want. Yeah. So that's kind of the first step. I know you were, I kind of cut you off at some point there and you were like, and then the next thing, and I was like, wait, hold up. So what was the next step? You were about to say something else completely. And maybe, maybe you already covered it. I just want to make maybe sure. So. It was probably profound and I probably lost yes, it. Yes, I'm sorry. Maybe, okay. your, no, no. maybe your wife will text that one to you in a minute. <laughs> maybe as well. so. Yeah, no, but I mean, the reality is I wouldn't try to make a hundred habit changes at once. I mean, that's the next thing I would say is like, you got to do this. It's really, it's progress, not perfection. I'm just mm-hmm. saying like, what's the next thing that I can do to move towards success? So, you know, I, I mentioned that one quarterly retreat where my wife and I had this whole aha moment that we weren't doing any of the things we wanted to do, but it was really our fault because we had distractions like internet and social media. Fast forward to the next quarterly retreat we had three months later, we have the habit of checking back in and say, okay, well, how are we doing now? And we started listing out our wins. This is actually an exercise in the full focus planners, like the quarterly preview. And we were like, wow, we've had more wins this quarter than our entire marriage. And it was like really subtle changes we made, but every quarter being able to say, okay, well, what's the next thing? So for example, that's where the internet came in. Cause first it started by just cutting social media and then it was cutting internet. And then now it's like getting rid of my smartphone. And so next we actually building an underground cat. I don't know. I don't know. What's next, <laughs> I was, I, I actually was following you for there for a second. You, you got yeah. me. No. Yeah. No, I don't know. I don't know what's next, but um, even realizing that like how much my time was going to driving to Franklin where like I work, you know, you've seen like the Michael yes. Hyde and company office. We have yeah. a beautiful office. Um, but I realized that most of what I can do at the office, most of the meetings and stuff I'm in all happen and can happen on Mondays. And the rest of the week, I can regain an hour and a half of my time every day by just by getting an office right by my house. Walking to your office. I can work remotely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, that's great. Man, you, we've talked about intentionality. We've talked about being strategic and uh, doing the experiments. It also does really come down to taking that time away, like you're saying, with the retreat, with your wife, or even by yourself, depending upon, you know, your, your scenario, your situation, but thinking about what it is you want and what's keeping you and then getting that unless word and even the, mm-hmm. the second one in place and picking an experiment to try it and see if you can, you know, unearth, see if like in your example of learning to do more writing or creating the space to do more writing, what it took to do that, that you got to do that. And that now we're seeing you do more of that. So exactly. Yeah. Great stuff. Okay. So platform university, uh, let's point people to that. Let's point people to, sure. I mean, we'll, I'll list everything up that we talked about in here. Uh, you know, the free to focus planner, Michael Hyatt and company platform university, all those things, but you do your spiel because I want to give you your due. Yeah. Well, I mean, you, you probably picked up a little bit of my heart in this whole process, but really I'm on a mission to systemize success for family driven entrepreneurs because I, I believe, and I want to help you, um, I really want to help you operate a profitable business 
without sacrificing family life. And so for people who aren't business owners, that still means this whole, the Michael Hyatt uh, purpose is like to win at work and succeed at life. And so that's really, you know, that's where I'm playing out that mission it right now for the most part is at platformuniversity.com where we focus on helping people build and engage on the audience from scratch. But we're not teaching you that you need to live stream every minute of your day or that you need to hustle and post 20 times on social media to try to get somebody to buy a $5 ebook. We're teaching you how to spend 30 minutes a day to build an audience from scratch because we want you to be able to win at work and succeed at life. So, I mean, that's where I focus a lot of my time and attention, but you can always follow me at johnmeese.com. You notice I didn't say follow me on Twitter. It's yeah, I was going to say, that's the yeah. only place they will be able to follow you <laughs> unless they come and see you in person. Exactly. Well, you're also welcome to do that. So if you're ever in Columbia, Tennessee, you can go <laughs> to Mealtown Coffee and just say, hey, where's John Meese? And they'll probably be able to tell you. He's, he's over there in the corner. Yes. <laughs> playing with his light phone. <laughs> he's playing with his light phone. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. I was going to say, uh, that was, that was the other question that I had for you when we were face to face was, okay, we're not Twitter friends anymore. How do I, how do I keep in touch with you? And you were like, well, here's my card. My email is on there and also yes. my, my newsletter. And I immediately subscribed and then I also sent you an email. And so you did, you're, you're a good example of uh, friendship in this new digital age that is not done through social media. So I thank you for that. You're welcome. Yeah. It's been, it's, it's still a journey, but yeah, I mean, I, I am passionate about developing relationships at scale, which is, you know, I try to do that through my email list. Uh, but I just don't see social media as the most effective path for me to be able to do that. And uh, I'm glad that we're connected once again. Yes. Awesome. We're, we're email friends or we're email I, friends. Why do we have to, why do we have to label it? Let's just say we're friends. John. Well, we could just say we're friends. We can yeah, just say we're friends. So yeah. uh, thank you friend for being on my show. And uh, I definitely need to have you come back on again at some point when you do the next big drastic change in your life and we'll see like, <laughs> all right, how's this work? So Again, yeah, John, John only communicates thank you. through Morse code now, so this is going to be an awkward episode. Yes, but. yeah, yeah. At that at that point, you might be you might not be able to be on the show anymore because you've you've disavowed using all internet altogether. For and I, I don't know why, but anyways, <laughs> yeah, no, <laughs> we probably won't get there, but yeah, no, I would love to. So uh, awesome. thank you, Eric. I really appreciate your time and really just talking more about this. I don't actually get a ton of opportunities to talk about this part of my life because it's kind of behind the scenes stuff, but yeah. I love it. And I hope it's helpful. That's that's what the show's about, man. It's just it's getting behind the scenes. It, it's you know talking to the people behind the productivity, and mm-hmm. usually it's mine. Sometimes it's it off. It's always theirs as well. But hopefully, then it's our audiences. So yes, there you go. So John, thank you so much. Great job. My pleasure, Eric. Thank you. Well, that's another podcast crossed off your podcast listening to do list. I hope you enjoyed this conversation with John Meese. I know I did. It's always great to have some time to talk with him. But I'm curious what your takeaways are from this episode. And I'm going to ask you to do something somewhat antithetical, potentially, to some of what we talked about in this conversation. I'm going to ask you to go tweet me your takeaways. Go over to twitter.com slash Eric with a K, the letter J, F-I-S-H-E-R. Let me know what you thought of this episode. And while you're thinking about what you got out of this episode, I'd love for you to share this episode with somebody else you know would benefit from it. The easiest way to do that is to hit the share button in whatever podcast player you're using, or go to the show notes over at beyondthetodolist.com slash 296 and hit the share button there to share it with your audience, your platform, or an individual or two that you know, again, would really benefit from hearing this conversation. Thanks again for sharing and doing me that favor. Thanks again for listening. And I'll see you next episode.
Hey, thanks for listening to the end. If you're looking for a show to start helping you apply these productivity lessons on your business, check out Millionaire University. It's real lessons from real entrepreneurs teaching you what you need to know to improve your business or start one if you've been putting it off. It covers all aspects of business from starting marketing, growing, managing, and everything in between, wearing all the hats. And as an added bonus, I am conducting a number of those conversations, those interviews, so you'll fit right in. Again, that's Millionaire University. Just search for it in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to this podcast.